right. Good stuff. How y'all doing this morning? Good. All right. So, how many of you have ever had that realization, that moment that just kind of jumps up on you and you realize you're not in control? Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes it could be like on a big scale where maybe, oh, I don't know, back in March of 2020, the world just started shutting down. How did you feel when that happened? All your plans, all of your expectations, everything just kind of, you, you weren't in control of them. <laughs> you, had to, you had to adjust. You had to shift, right? Or maybe it's like a personal thing. Maybe you've received a diagnosis or maybe you've received some news. And the feeling that you had before you got that information, you felt like you were in control. That, you know what, things are going my way. It may not be perfect, but generally things are going my way. And then all of a sudden you get news and you're like, oh my goodness. Things are not in my control and, and, and this is bad. Well, you know, there's something about the human heart that wants control. You know, we love control and we'll pretend like we have it until the truth comes up and just uh, shakes us and makes us remember we're not in control. But we do know who is in control, right? Amen. That's, this is a common problem from the beginning of, from, from when sin entered the world until now, humans have, had been, have been grappling with the reality that we're not in control. And you can respond a couple different ways. You can try to grasp it harder. You can try to respond with uh, ignoring it and trying to, like, hide your head, stick your head in the sand, say, oh, it'll, it'll just pass over, and then things will get back to normal. Or you can trust God. And I'm here to tell you that the best response <laughs> is to trust in the Lord. Amen. It's to wait for the salvation of God. And when we do that, we do it from a heart of, Humble surrender and hopeful worship. Uh, like my brother Steve said, my name is Robert Reed. I'm the care and counsel minister at Eastside Community Church. And uh, I've, been, uh, I've been there for about uh, three years. Previously, I was a worship pastor at City Church International. And so just to you know, make it full circle, that's how Keith and I are connected. <laughs> He's a good friend. And one of the blessings of the Lord is that our our sons, our oldest sons, um, Carson, and then my twin sons are going to be going to the same middle school next year together, so I get to see a lot more of uh, Pastor Keith. Amen. Isn't that great? <laughs> so, all right, let's turn to our, uh, in our Bibles to Habakkuk. Um, and uh, we're going to find ourselves in Habakkuk chapter 3, and the, the book of Habakkuk is a long record of one man's response to finding out something out of his control is about to happen, something disastrous, something, um, something earth-shattering. I don't know if you have thought about in your own life, even when I was doing that intro, what, uh, what it felt like for you when you realized, wow, I'm really not in control. I'm reminded of a time in my own life 
my wife, Rebecca, she's here this morning, my wife and I, uh, back in 2018, we had been in a uh, time of a difficult financial time. And, you know, we were trusting the Lord. We were trying to be good stewards of what the Lord had given us, and we were trusting him. And, and uh, you know, so we were doing everything right. And we still were, you know, we know that not everything is hunky-dory all the time. And so we were trusting the Lord and just kind of going along. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in May of 2018, our van broke down. Our family van broke down. We've got four kids. So, so that means we need a, a, a car that it sits at least six people. <laughs> and so our van broke down. And we were like, oh, it's okay. All right, we'll trust the Lord. We'll trust the Lord. It's, you know... We'll see how he provides. He's provided in the past, and we know he'll provide now. And so we, we went around, and we got different quotes from different car repair places, and, and we, uh, we ended up finding the best quote to fix our car was going to cost thousands of dollars. Not one thousand, thousands, multiple. And so we found ourselves in this place of, Lord, what's happening? Lord, how, how are you going to provide? Lord, we can't do anything. Life is out of our control. And like I said, similarly, in the Bible, we find all over the place moments where people, people hands up in the air and say, Lord, how long? Lord, how are you going to come through? What are you going to do? We trust you, but, but this looks really bad. In the book of Habakkuk, like I said, not Habakkuk, I heard you. <laughs> you can pronounce it a couple different ways, all right? Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I'm going to choose Habakkuk. Um, it's, got two K, it's got three Ks in it, just in case anybody's wondering. Um, time and time again, the Lord challenges his people that even in times of difficulty to trust in him. So you see in chapter 1, Habakkuk, is, he takes a moment and he looks out on what's happening in, in Israel. And he sees evil. He sees uh, injustice. He sees things that are displeasing to God. And it displeases him because Habakkuk, he's a righteous man. He has a relationship with the Lord. And he, looks, he cries out to the Lord and he says, Lord, do you see this? How long is this going to last? Are you going to move? Are you going to bring justice? And the Lord responds to Habakkuk. The Lord listens to him and says, yes, I'm going to do something about it. I'm actually going to send an enemy nation to take over the people of Israel. And Habakkuk says in chapter 2, uh, that's not what I was expecting. Do you know the Chaldeans, the Babylonians? Do you know who they are? They're worse than we are. They're evil. And it says in chapter 2, Oh, you who cannot see evil, why do you allow this? And he comes to the Lord and he, he says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what God's response is. I'm going to see what the Lord has to say. And that's where we get in chapter 2, that verse that says the righteous will live by faith. Because Habakkuk knows. I'm going to trust in the Lord. The wicked will perish, but the righteous will live by faith. And God comes back and he says, no, Habakkuk, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And this is a part of, of how I'm going to 
display my glory. My glory. That's the, the, the goodness. That is the, the, um, the reality of his presence in this world. My glory. I'm going to display my glory through this, this invasion. And just to give a little context, the people of Israel had a responsibility to follow the Lord. They had a particular responsibility to uh, show the nations of the world, this is who God is. This is the one who created everything. And this is what it looks like to follow him. And they failed time and time again. And God was patient with them. But at some point he said, and this is part of the covenant that they had with him, at, at some point, if you fail to meet this covenant, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to make things right. And so this is where we find ourselves. A lot of the, the prophets are recounting this, that, that Israel has not held up their end of the bargain. And not just that, they've actually partnered with the enemy. They've actually, they are actually praising and, and practicing and promoting things that are not of God. And God says, hey, wake up. This is serious. He sends them into exile, and we know that God in his grace and his mercy brings them back. And in that time when he brings them back, who does he send? He sends Jesus. He sends the ultimate redeemer, the one who can actually carry out the terms of the covenant, the son of God. And we know that this, this, that's where this story is going. But, but in Habakkuk, he's just, he's sitting here before the exile, before they experience the discipline of the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, I don't get it. What are you doing? So, like I said in chapter 2, God says, no, I'm doing this, and this is a part of my justice. And so then when we get to chapter 3, this is Habakkuk's response. After all this, after God reveals his plan that seems counterintuitive, but is right in line with his character, Habakkuk sings a song of worship in response. I know you guys have been in the, in the Psalms this summer, and so, uh, you know, if you were disappointed that we're in Habakkuk today, it's a song, so we're good, right? It's a worship song. All right. So Habakkuk 3, and I'll read this for us. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to the Shigianoth. I don't know what that is. It's a form of song. Um, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hands. And there he veiled his power. Before him went the pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kishon in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses 
on the chariots of salvation. You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for your many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me. Rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret, you trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. That's a lot. (laughs) This is what Habakkuk says. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. So we see here in chapter 3, Habakkuk sees this vision of the Lord in his judgment, and of the Lord in his wrath, and the Lord in his uh, fury making things right, bringing justice, taking care of the wicked. And he knows that in it, the righteous will find salvation. And so he says, I will wait on the Lord. And so I'll repeat that that what we get from this passage is that when, when the world around us seems chaotic and feels out of control, we know who is in control. And so we wait for the salvation of the Lord. And waiting for the salvation of God leads to humble surrender and hopeful worship. I'll say that again. Waiting on God's salvation leads to humble surrender and hopeful worship. So what does it mean to wait on God's salvation? Sometimes the Lord's salvation, as we kind of read, might feel a little counterintuitive. And in verse 2, Habakkuk talks about the wrath of God. He says, in your wrath, remember mercy. And Habakkuk has kind of like accepted the fact that God is bringing this judgment. And he cries out to the Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. Those two things don't seem to go together. Wrath and mercy. But I'm here to tell you, that's, they're two sides of the same coin. This is the way I like to think about God's wrath. God's wrath is the necessary correction of evil in this world. It's good and it's right. And so Habakkuk opens up this book with crying out about the evil in the world, like I said earlier, and asking God what he's going to do about it. God will not stand for the truth of his goodness to be suppressed. 
But think about it. What happens when you try to suppress something powerful, right? What happens? If you're pressing it down, what's, what's going to happen? Right? You can't hold it back. So God's goodness is, is true. His ways are good. That is, the way, that is the way that the world works in his righteousness and his goodness. And so, so God in his wrath, he can't allow for things to be broken. And it's good. It's actually merciful for him to set things right. Now, the process of that is going to cause a lot of shaking. And so God offers in his mercy a refuge from that. Amen? And so Habakkuk knows that. And he says, in your wrath, which is right and good, remember mercy. Remember mercy. Mercy is a, care, a core character trait of God and how he deals with this world. God expresses his ultimate salvation and mercy where? In Jesus Christ. And isn't that where wrath and mercy meet? Isn't this good news? That, the God, that God is correcting evil in this world and in us. And like Noah, when he saved uh, when he saved his people from the flood by the ark. Jesus will carry us who believe in him through judgment to the other side, to the new heavens and the new earth. What a glorious truth. What a glorious declaration. We can be saved. Amen. Sister, I love that you introduced somebody to that this week. Amen. Let's share it. God is a saving God, and we wait because we know who he is. We wait on him. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Waiting on the Lord uh, means that while God is bringing his plan and purpose to pass, his people remain confident, his people remain expectant, and his people remain obedient. His people remain confident. There's a verse in the Psalms that said, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Expectant. One of my favorite Psalms is this. Psalm 130, it says, um, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. And he says it again, just to emphasize it, more than watchmen wait for the morning. So confident, I will see it, expect it, I'm waiting. I'm not, I'm not uh, looking away, I'm waiting for it. And obedient. Obedient. When Jesus Christ appears, it will be joyful salvation for those who believe, but for those who oppose him, who trust in themselves and not in God, there will be an experience of wrath, of judgment. So as we wait for him, in confident, expectant hope, we live our lives like he's coming. <laughs> in Titus 2, it says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all of us, teaching us to what? Deny ungodliness and worldly passions and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present day as we wait for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So God's salvation is coming. It is sure. And we wait with confidence, with expectation, and with obedience. You know, when Habakkuk has this response, when he uh, recognizes, oh my goodness, things are out of my control, but there's a plan. I'm not necessarily, like, if it was up to me, I wouldn't do it this way, but I see the wisdom and the goodness of God. And so I trust in him. 
It kind of reminds me of uh, a situation, like imagine in your mind you went to see the doctor and the doctor says, hey, um, you know, we're a little bit concerned about something. There's an emergency. We need to operate immediately. What would you do? Most of us would say, okay, all right, I trust you. It'd be scary. It'd be fearful. But you'd say to the doctor, I trust your expertise and your skill, your wisdom. I trust, your, uh, I trust you that, that you don't mean me harm. And you might even let the doctor put you unconscious to, open, to cut you open and do things inside your body with body parts you've never seen so that you could be healthy. And so, so in the same way, that's this humble, this humble surrender of, God, I trust you. You, you know what's best. You know what's good. And so we see in verse 16 that Habakkuk um, responds with humble surrender. He realizes he's not in control. He sees the triumphant victory of God over evil, and it produces fear. It produces fear. Back again in verse 2, it says this, O Lord, I have heard the report of you in your work. O Lord, do I fear. What does it mean to fear the Lord? You can, you can either escape fear or ignore it or try to fight fear with more control. But the reality is, that when we see these things that, are, that cause us to not feel in control, it produces fear. And so what we do is we place our fear in the Lord. What does that mean? It means reverence. It means respect. It's kind of like this. When it, it was, it's like a recognition of his power. Um, the way that I like to think about it is, uh, have, y'all, have y'all ever been to the ocean? You go to the ocean, and what do we do? We, we take vacations in the ocean, right? We play. We... I, have, I had a friend uh, I met last summer who, who sailed on a boat from Europe to, um, to the United States. Sailboat, on a sailboat. And I'm like, yo, that's a long time to be on a boat. I've never been on a boat that long. We're out there, right? We enjoy the ocean. It's fun. It's recreational. But we also know, uh, I know in the news uh, the last week, there's been a pretty... Uh, dangerous riptide in places, uh, I think, in the Gulf. And it's been really scary. It's carried out some really strong uh, men and, it, and, uh, and caused their death. So, so the ocean, though we're like, man, we can fish in it, we can play in it, we can take vacations in it, it's also very serious. And in the same way, like, God, and actually much more, God is good. He loves us. He provides. He's, he says, call me father, but also recognizing he is powerful and able to bring about judgment. That doesn't mean we stay away from him. That doesn't mean we fight him. I heard someone tell me once, and he said, I don't believe in God because uh, I'm mad at him. Like, I don't know how that logic works. But... But you can't rebel. <laughs> if you rebel against God, that ends up in destruction. Praise God for his mercy. Amen? All right. So, so Habakkuk recognizes he has a sphere of God. He also trusts through the most difficult of circumstances. In verse 17, it says this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. 
that right there is, is him talking about this economic and turbulent, there's economic prosperity and success. He's, he's recognizing like, look, the, the fig tree, that's the, the fruit of the vine, the crops, and, the, and the, uh, the flocks and the herds and the stalls. So y'all, there's famine here. And Habakkuk sees this really desperate situation. This isn't, man, I had to find a parking spot down, you know, at the end of the parking lot, and now I got to walk a long way. This is serious. This is, people are being seriously affected by what's happening right here. And what is his response? He says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is devastating. And yet his heart says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Do you know why he's able to say that? Because God, he knows who God is. And he knows that even in the most difficult and confusing, chaotic circumstances, God has a purpose and a plan for his people. Amen? And so instead of getting mad at God, Instead of rebelling against God because he's not doing things the way that, he, that we want him to, instead of ignoring God, instead of just being self-protecting, Habakkuk says, I will wait on the Lord. I will worship the Lord. So his humble surrender led to hopeful worship. To hopeful worship. I will wait for the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. You see, this whole chapter is a worship song. We can't underestimate the importance of singing and rejoicing in God, of reminding ourselves who he is, of reminding one another of who he is, in difficult times. And we know that worship is a whole person response to God. Amen. It's not just standing here on Sunday mornings, which is really good to, to sing together, but it's a, it's a whole person. It's a whole life response that says, God is who he says he is, and I trust him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to, to cultivate relationships with people who say, hey, we're going the same way. And I'm, we're going to place our hope in him. So, so in times of maybe, uh, in, I know next year is an election year. And I don't know if y'all remember the last two election years and even the midterms. It was crazy, wasn't it? There are plenty of times where people in the same family could be divided. There are plenty of times where the closest of friends could be divided. And it got really tense, right? And I'm not here to like make any political statements, but what I am here to say is in the middle of what could potentially be a really tumultuous time where we might say, what in the world is going on? Have we all lost our minds? We need Jesus. And that is a sure and firm foundation. 
So as a potential, you may not be feeling a little bit chaotic. You may not be feeling like things are out of control in your life right now, but there's a potential in the next year that there's going to be some times where you feel like, Lord, what is going on? And I encourage you to remember Habakkuk's response. Humble surrender. Lord, I trust you. Have your way. And hopeful worship, reminding yourself and and declaring to him who he is and what he's going to do. We rejoice in God and his character. And when we do, it helps us to rise above the chaos. He talks about, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes my feet tread on my high places. What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, uh, this is calling to mind a picture of of deer escaping danger, escaping predators uh, by running up into the high places where only they can go. And so what Habakkuk is saying is like, when I lift my, my heart to the Lord, when I lift my eyes to the Lord in hopeful worship, I gain perspective. It reminds me of uh, last summer, I got a chance to take um, uh, a three-day hiking trip in the mountains of New Mexico, or Mount, of, of Colorado. And uh, and the whole time we were hiking, there was kind of like these ins and outs, ups and downs, and switchbacks. And there's one point where we came over a hill, and we were like, surely, we could see the peak. We were like, surely, we're going to be going there. And we came over this hill, and, and it went like this. And we went down. And the whole way, I was with a group of guys, and the whole way, I just heard some mumbling and murmuring, like, oh, we got to go down this way. It was, <laughs> you know. Uh, my buddy Vince is here. He was on that trip, and he can attest. He heard all the grumbling. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but then on the day that we got to the top of the mountain, and we stood, and we were able to see, you know what? We actually had to go that way. We had to go down in order to go up, which doesn't really make sense. And you could see, oh, my goodness, this is beautiful. There is actually a purpose to where our guides were leading us. It's the same way that when we worship the Lord, when we declare who he is, and when we rest in his character, we're able to get perspective. And we're able to say, even before we reach the end, we can say, I know what God's doing. He's, he's Romans aiding this, right? He's, he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, in times of chaos, in times of uh, feeling out of control, we respond by trusting in God's salvation, in his character, through humble surrender and hopeful worship. Amen? I, uh, I mentioned earlier that my wife and I were uh, in a particularly difficult financial season in uh, 2018, and we had this problem where our van broke down. And the Lord was, uh, was uh, encouraging me and challenging me to trust in him. And in a lot of ways, that's all we could really do is to trust in him. And so um, I was trying to be a good husband, a good father, a good leader of my household, and trying to, to be a good spiritual, <laughs> spiritual leader. And so I, uh, I was spending time in prayer just asking the Lord. And I'm going to tell you this, not because this is the way I think God always works, but this is just a testimony of his goodness in my life. So I was, I was there on, 
on May 3rd, 2018, and I was, I was praying, and, and I was crying out to the Lord, similar to Habakkuk, similar to other places in Scripture where it says, Oh, Lord, how long? And I was crying out, and, and in my mind's eye, I saw this uh, table full of all of our bills. Lord, how long? When are we going to see breakthrough in our finances? When are we going to see some sort of relief? And, and as I was praying, I saw this date, May 27th, 2018. And how many of y'all know, there's a lot of crazy things that run through your head when you're praying. And, and you know, so there's a lot of times you can just be like, okay, what was that? But also, there are times where the Spirit says, hey, hold on, pay attention. And so for some reason, the Spirit said, hey, pay attention to that. So I was like, ah, I mean, I know, Lord, you can do whatever you want, but that's really specific. So I wrote it down in my journal. I've got a note on my phone. Uh, and I also have a journal twice because I was like, I'm going to make sure that like it's documented. <laughs> May 3rd, 2018, I said, Lord, you know what? I trust you. Whatever you want to do on that day, I trust you. Sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves in expectation and be like, well, God's going to do this and this and this. And then like we're over here looking like this and God's over here working and we're like, God, where are you? And he's, and he's like, son, turn around, look at me. I'm over here doing this, right? So, so I was trying to be open, just like, all right, Lord, whatever you want to do, May 27th, I trust you. Uh, now, if y'all could do math, May 3rd to May 24th, that's a long, I mean, May 27th, that's 24 days, right? So we're, my wife and I, we're reminding ourselves, okay, Lord, like you said you're going to do something on the 27th. We still don't have a family vehicle. We still got places to go. We still got, got kids to cart around. What are you going to do? And so the day comes on May 27th. And incidentally, by God's grace and his providence, I got the chance to preach a sermon on the life of Joseph and how God's favor actually means the promise of his presence and purpose for his people. I got to preach that on May 27th. And I was like, Lord, how good is that? Isn't it awesome that on this day, with all the things that I'm going through, I get to preach this message? And if that's all you do, Amen. I trust you. And so I got done with the sermon, and, and I stepped down, and I'm, you know, talking to people after church, and my family wasn't with me because we didn't have a family vehicle, so they had to stay home. <laughs> it was just me. And, uh, uh, and a friend of mine came up and said, hey, I heard you guys are having van problems. There's this suburban my parents own that's just sitting in front of our house. Y'all can borrow that until you figure out what you're doing with your, with your van. And I was like, look at God. Look at how awesome God is. And so I was super excited. I said, thank you so much. Thank you. And and, and I got in the car uh, and I was driving home and I called my wife, Rebecca. And I said, Rebecca, you'll never guess what happened. And I told her what our friend had offered. And she said, oh my goodness, praise the Lord. You'll never guess what happened to me. I was like, (laughs) she said, somebody called me and offered me a part-time job. And I was like, oh, my goodness, look at God. And we were just rejoicing. And then later that evening, someone called and said, hey, we want to pay for your car repairs. And at that moment, I was dumbfounded. Like, God, you didn't have to do any of that. If you even did one of those things, I would be just jumping up and down, telling about your goodness. But yet he emphasized three times, Robert, 
I am who I say I am. Robert, you can trust me. I'm with you. Amen. Amen. And so I encourage you as, as you're working through your difficult times, maybe you're not in one right now. Maybe you're facing one. Maybe you know in the future, maybe it's a, like I said, the, the political reality of next year and the trouble that that's going to cause. I want you to remember this. In times of chaos, the best response, the right response is to trust in God's salvation through humble surrender and hopeful worship. Amen? Band, would you please come up? We're going to take the time as we close to remind ourselves of who God is. We're going to respond. I don't know if God's called something to mind as you have, uh, as you've been listening to our discussion today, our teaching today. But I just invite you, lay that at his feet. Um, the, uh, the front's open. If you need to come down to the altar and just kneel before the Lord, give that to him. I, I give you the opportunity to do that, the permission to do that. But just let's just stand. And regardless, uh, as we sing, let's declare our trust in him and his faithfulness to the end. Would you please stand?